Okay, um, quick intro. Um, talking with the News Broads, uh, they're podcasters. Uh, we're uh, three media veterans who are mad for media. And they, they talk with the journalists who are really in the know, big-time names. Uh, so we'll be talking with Judy Licht, Gina Cerrito, Lynn White, and their producer, David Levin. Okay, so here we go. Hi! I can't see Hi, you. I'm sorry, I just realized there's there's a bunch of laundry on the bed behind me. <laughs> well usually we do these at a bar, so Judy, I don't know uh, if you if you have your drink with you. Oh, hold on just a second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so it's one of our themes. Let me show you who just delivered my drink. Can you wave? <laughs> oh that's my youngest. I'm doing this podcast because it's an excuse to go to a bar and talk to interesting people. And You're drink, my kind of guy. And have a and drink. Dr- and drink great beer because we, we go to Gephardt's Beer Culture Bar on West 72nd Street. Yeah, it's a good place. I just wanted to point out to you just because, um, you know, normally we're in the bar and we can talk about what we're drinking that I thought you'd appreciate this beer I'm drinking. Yeah, what is it? Almost Heaven. Oh, oh nice. West Virginia. <laughs> oh, it's a local beer. Cheers, so everyone. Cheers, everybody. Let's go. You know, okay, we'll hold up our... Look, every, you guys are my kind of people. Oh, yeah. I mean, many times we'll have people at the at the bar, and we, we buy our guest drinks. That's one way we kind of get... Yeah, right. What, what could be that? shafted here. There, there yeah. we go. And, <laughs> and then... Uh, well, it's not me. It's the pandemic. We would have loved to have you at the bar. But then some people, like, they say, well, I'm drinking water. It's like, Water? Water? That's not. What is that? What's water that? is what a is before four o'clock drink. You know, no. that sounds like a catchphrase. It's not me. It's the pandemic. It's. <laughs> I'm I usually have, not I like this. I brought, I brought coffee with me so that when it's time to drive home, uh, I'll be okay. Okay. So we're talking to the News Broads and David Eleven, who is the News Broads producer, a podcast about news and. And we'll find out more about what the News Broads is. And we've been listening to you a lot to get ready for this program. And it's a wonderful podcast. And we fabulous. congratulate you You're on, fabulous on ladies. bringing your expertise and your knowledge, but also your contacts in journalism and news and broadcasting in, into your work. We, and we're going to recommend News Broads now. We'll recommend News Broads at the end of the uh, at the podcast, how are you doing your are are you doing your broadcast now? How are you doing it by social distancing? Um, and how are you handling social distancing? Are are you are you guys still in New York? Or are you? You know what? I'll I'll start because I um, and this is Gina Cerrito. I'm Gina. I'm the token millennial on the podcast, even though I'm not a millennial. Uh, I just wanted to start by explaining the news broads as um, the four of us. Uh, have a, a real click and it was really great. And we first started brainstorming. We had kind of a different idea of what we were going to do. We knew it was going to be media related. We just didn't really know how. And we were having a brainstorming session, which thank goodness this all happened before the pandemic because we really do work best when we're together and bouncing. And we we were talking about something. And really, I think the biggest aha moment we had was we were talking about the FCC fair uh, fairness doctrine. And, you know, Judy and Lynn were talking about how when they used to work, this was part of what they um, 
had to adhere to. And David and I made a comment like, oh, that's, yeah, that's something I learned in college, you know, and passing thought. And David said, stop. This is so interesting that it has changed so much. Let's talk about how and why it changed. So from our brainstorming sessions and then learning to go from broadcasters to podcasters, everyone seems to think it's a really easy transition and it is a completely different beast. So we really spent a lot of time working on that until now. And so now that we have our rhythm and have our our focus, um, it's been a lot easier to do the social distancing and do the Zoom instead of in person, uh, which obviously we would prefer. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we, we certainly we certainly would too. But I, I'm, I'm curious, and I always like to know how people are handling this pandemic. How are you, uh, how are you dealing with being socially distanced and I hunkering down? Like yeah, this is Ju- Judy Licht. Yes, go ahead. Likes it. Maybe I'm just a misanthrope, but I, I've, I've kind of liked it because I'm fortunate in that I'm out of the city. And not that I'm a lifelong New Yorker, I love the city, but it's pleasant here because you can walk, um, you can walk around without having to worry as much, not entirely, but as much about being too close to people. So you can get outside and get some fresh air and not feel guilty. But I feel like in a funny way, you're, you're more intimate at a distance. You value the conversations more. It's kind uh, of safe sex. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's there's a kind of and it's prophylactic. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far, but I think but I think um, I know what you mean. Um, I'm kind of enjoying it because it means reaching out to people sometimes I haven't been good at reaching out to. There's the need there's a need to connect uh, in a way that you don't have in your daily life. I, I mean, it's so much easier to get people now. It's true. Because people have Good time you know, for podcasters. Yeah, what do you mean you have no time? <laughs> right. Right. What do you mean you're not going to be there Friday night? What do you mean you're worried about traffic? What? <laughs> it's so funny because I have three kids that I'm homeschooling, so I don't see it as having lots of time. I see it very differently. <laughs> Well, me, me too. I have, a, I have, a, Gina and I are the two who have small children, and and the amount of time that I actually spend uh, being a teacher to my to my uh, six year old is, um, and 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 actually, and because I do not, ha- I have the authority of a father, but not the authority of a teacher, who apparently has a lot more uh, juice than a dad does, because when the teacher says, "Do your work." They do their work. And when a dad says, do your work, they're like, sorry, got to go. That's fascinating. So I'm a teacher and I'm doing online teaching now. I have. um, She's doing great. I have students. um, It's a Montessori school. So we have different age levels. So Mm -hmm. I actually am teaching second graders to fourth graders right now. Um, Oh, and, I need you. I need your help. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk Happy after to. the podcast. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but I yeah. want to know. But I keep I, thinking I that the parents that. should tell the kids to get their work done. I keep thinking, you know, why don't the parents tell them to get their work done? You know, it's hard, and also to yeah. do our jobs that we have to do. And Lynn, yeah. Lynn, uh, Lynn White wanted to say something. Yeah. I wanted to know if you're a teacher, what are you finding with your students? Are they enjoying it, or are they feeling a sense of discomfort? not being around other students. I think it's a, a mixed bag. I think that they're enjoying the freedom to just sit there with their bowl of Cheerios while they have a lesson. They're yeah. enjoying being in their pajamas while they come to a lesson. I'm not strict in that regard. 
Um, I mean, we have to accept where we are, you know, we have to take it from that point. But I do still ask them, you know, every now and then I'll say, okay, guys, got to look at the screen because I'm showing you something here. Because in Montessori, you're always moving things around, you know, and uh, demonstrating. So, uh, yeah, it's it's different. I mean, um, some of them say they like it. Some of them, you can, you know, they don't really like being inside all the time, though. Um, no kid would. Yeah, right. Most adults don't. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, yes. There's some good things about it, though. It's interesting, yeah. the ones that are thriving kind of do a flip because there's uh, one of my students does really well w- at home. His really? parents are, her, Why do you his, think that is? I think he's more comfortable. He doesn't feel comp- uh, the competition. Yeah. I think he gets, I think he's very self-conscious about how well or how, how not very well he's doing, you know? And so at home he's free, his parents support him, you know, they give him good guidance and he's getting his work done. Whereas in school, you know, he was pretty much loafing. So it's interesting. There was, did you see, there's a New York Times article uh, yesterday by a 13-year-old from the Upper West Side. I actually happened to her. She's one of my son's friends. Uh, her name was Veronique Mintz. And she uh, wrote about how she in, it preferred homeschooling because there were a lot of kids, especially in the middle school age. She's in eighth grade, like my my oldest and, and Alina's oldest. And she said that there was less of the um, rowdiness. Some of the kids that aren't really there to learn or haven't really quite gotten into their groove yet and the awkwardness and that she's actually enjoying learning from home better. I'm not surprised. Yeah, you're hearing in the media, which is what our podcast is about, the media, um, that this may be the new norm for a lot of students. For a while. Forward. For a while, yeah. I'm, I'm finding what's really interesting, you know, we sort of pay attention to when our daughter makes leaps. Uh, the one thing I discovered when I had a kid, but by the way, it's now turning into a childcare podcast. <laughs> one of the things that I've, that, that I've learned, which I didn't know before I was a dad, was that it's not a hill, it's stairs. They, they climb and all of a sudden, like the next day, they've moved up and they haven't gone at an angle. They've gone stair step. They've like, oh, she's reached a new plateau. And one of the things that we used to notice is that if we would go away for a week on vacation, we'd come back and she'd be a different kid. And I've noticed a different kind of maturity coming out of her. The first couple of weeks were hell. She was good the first week. And then the couple of weeks, it was just awful. And now there's a level of even her vocabulary has changed the Mm. way she deals with things, the way she handles issues and problems. And so I think kids are pre- and, and I'm hearing the same thing from a lot of my friends who have, you know, her, her, her friend's parents, is that kids are learning something. It's not necessarily the stuff that we learned or that their siblings learned or their older siblings have learned. They're learning something. I'm not quite sure what it is. No, we don't. We don't. We don't we're, we're in a new time. And it's yes. like, I think what we have to do maybe as parents or journalists or, you know, people observe society is try to see what these changes are. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm hoping we do change for the better. And I'd like to talk a little bit more of that later, but I'm going to segue back to the news broads. <laughs> um, one of the things that um, we haven't, I haven't heard all of your programs. You started in 2018, 19? You have about- uh, This version of it, 2018, yes. 2018, and you have about 20 uh, episodes out now? 
hard-hitting questions. I don't even know the answers. Oh, okay. To that. Well, that's all right. It's 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 you're you're kind of at the beginning of of like your 15, process. Yeah. Fifteen, mm-hmm. right? I mean, uh, Barcore Radio, we have almost a hundred, and so I mean, it it kind of adds up after after the years. But one of the things I haven't heard you talk about is yourselves. Now, maybe early on you did, and I thought might be this an opportunity to find out about Lynn White and Gina Cerrito and Judy Licht. Uh, many people might know about you, Judy, and I'm going to hold you off to the last. So why don't we start with, with Lynn? You're a political pundit. You're on WNYC TV's News for we New were. York. It's Judy seven. and I did that together, and that's kind of the progenitor to our podcast. Okay. It was a different format. It was television. There was a moderator, and they would throw subjects out, and Judy and I were supposed to go at each other. Right? Which we did. Would, we did. Right. And I would be the liberal, and she the conservative. And after a while, we stopped. It was a derivative of WNBC local news. Right. And Judy and I always wanted to take it to the next level. And a, a few years later, we had lunch, and Judy said, you know what? My son thinks, because her son is fabulous, we love JT, my son thinks we should be doing a podcast. That's the future. <laughs> so, of course, you know, yes, whatever he says, let's try it. Let's try it. So we started out, that was about two and a half, almost three years ago now, and it went through some changes. Then we met Gina, and Gina, and we met David, and the two of them, with the two of us, kind of formed what is now the news broads, the the product that we're all really proud of because we worked a long time on it. And I think each of us brings something individual. Our energy is different. You know, our belief systems, all of us are different. But when we come together, it's like being in a family. You learn so much from the other person from their perspectives. It's a wonderful camaraderie. It's a wonderful family, and it's really great to be able to interview people who other people know, but to get their backstories and their media stories. And I think that's the fun of it, and I think um, that's the beauty of it. And David, I just want to say, adding on to Gina's story, you know, we sat around trying to brainstorm about how to put this together, what our theme was, and David, whose email address is brainstorm <laughs> came up with it like that in a second he was he was the glue and he, he came up with news broads no they came up with no. news, so, so <laughs> okay so, no one. no 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 so they brought me in uh they want they need a producer someone who could record them and do it and we sat and we had a real long getting to know you meeting and it was great and i'm listening to them talk and they're really smart and they each come at it from a different point of view I'm trying to synthesize what we were talking about as Gina talked that her aha moment was the fairness doctrine. She's like, what's that? It's like something that happened in ancient history. And I realized that we're at at a point in the world where there's a ton of news. And originally they were going to comment on the news. And I said, on the news of the day. And I'm like, there's a million places where we can hear that. You can hear it on CNN. You can hear it on Fox if you're on the right. You can hear it on MSNBC if you're on the left. And there are so many places to hear about today's news. And if you're doing a podcast, you can't do today's news because they have to be slightly evergreen. Somebody might not hear it for a week and then it's dated. And I said, well, but the news media and the business of news and how we get our news has changed from the point, if you think about fake news and how people don't trust the news and 
40 years ago, the most trusted man in America was Walter Cronkite. He was the person that people went to. And you listen to Walter Cronkite, this, this, this man with a mustache and a deep voice telling you, and that's the way it is. And I said, well, let's try to educate our listeners. Let's tell them how we got this way. Let's talk to them about the business of news, how news is created. I mean, we have three experienced news reporters and producers here who know how the sausage is made. And let's see if we can explain that to our listeners so that they can maybe be more discerning uh, consumers of news. I mean, in, in some ways, um, you're, you're uh, um, doing what on the media does. Very similar, yeah. Um, in, in, a, in, a, in an interview format, um, right. right? So, so Gina, Cerrito, why did you want to be a journalist? What, what got oh. you started? I wanted to be a journalist. Oh my gosh. Um, since I gave up the dream of being a country singer, it was right around that time. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, she has a great voice. I, I, I did a long time ago. Um, and I don't know about great, but I did like to great. say, um, I don't know. I'm a, I think personality wise, when I was younger, I thought it fit me. I'm outgoing. I'm outspoken. I'm, I like to be around people and talk to people and find out more about people. I'm, very curious person. And then when I, I went to college, I, um, I didn't get into the mass comm program that I wanted to get into so badly. And I called my uncle, who is an Emmy award-winning producer on the Apple West side. Um, and I said, oh, I wanted to do this. And I wanted to come to New York and I wanted to do this. And he said, you just told me the start of every success story. Every success story starts with, I wanted to, and they didn't let me in. And he said, you take that and that's your drive. And I'll tell you what, I was 25 standing on the red carpet at the Oscars. And I thought, well, there you go. <laughs> but um, I really just, I always liked it. I liked the speed of it. I liked the pace of it. I liked, um, I, I just, I thrived on the energy of it. I got to do a lot of entertainment, which was nice because at the time I was at Fox News and that really isn't my cup of tea. After I made the decision to, to raise my kids, I've now been um, at home for 13 years and I just, I didn't really know how to get back into it. Everything's changed so much. It's not like it used to be. You're not cutting beta tapes anymore. Um, and I knew I couldn't go back to that pace and that energy. And so this has been, and, and they're, I mean, of course, and then these three people are so great about, you know, I pick my kids up at a certain time and that's that. Um, this has been a godsend. This has been, and it's actually something we talked to on the one we did with Alec Baldwin, is that this, this podcast is so much of a, um, a heartfelt project because, you know, we're all not, you know, we're basically paying to have a podcast um, instead of getting paid we, to have a podcast. We all do. And it's just, it's a real, right, exactly. And so you have to really love it and you have to really have passion for it. And this passion project is, um, makes me happy that my roots were in media. You were kind of in the center of things at one time. Uh, yes. Being the entertainment producer on Fox News, uh, covering the Oscars and the Emmys and the Grammys and the Sundance, I mean that's like whoa, that's that's wild. And was, then and then you heavy. gave it up in what 2006 to kind of raise a family. That must have been kind of a shock in a way. It was a life choice. I mean that's all I can say. It was a life choice. And, I and um, you were, I you're, knew you're happy I with could, it. Well, I knew I could go back to it. I knew that I couldn't go back to my kids' childhood. Right there, you go. Right. I'm guessing here that Judy. 
and Gina are tend to be on the liberal side. And what I'm getting, Lynn might be more conservative. <laughs> uh-uh. no. no. Oh, no. no okay. No. You're all liberal. No. You can edit that part. Oh. Judy's more conservative. <laughs> Judy, is Judy is more conservative. Yeah. I am, I am a renounced Republican. I mean, I can't believe where the, this party of idiots has gone. But I would say I'm a Rockefeller Republican, which nobody even knows what that is anymore. But I, I'm centrist with the right-leaning. Okay, least. all right. Not in social issues, but in, in fiscal and, and uh, policy issues. It's part. It's the homework I didn't do. I listened to the program, and I didn't get any of that. Oh, I got of, it from the program. Good. You did? Oh, yeah. Okay, all right. Um, so, Judy, let's let's talk to you. Your your bio is much thicker than... Uh, older. Yeah, you, you had more, more, a little more time. I, I was very impressed with one of your podcasts in which you... Um, you confessed to putting uh, the uh, president on television for the first time. I don't know if we have to get into that. I, I recommend people to go <laughs> listen to that podcast. It was one of your first ones. Yeah. And I thought that, that was really great. You, it's all her fault. <laughs> yeah. So let me ask you, let me ask you this, this. Yeah, there you go. It's your fault. Thanks, Judy. Um, he made him a star. Yeah, he, he, got, he got the taste. That if there were ever a Nuremberg trial for journalists, I'd certainly be the first one convicted. <laughs> yeah, but you were just following orders, so. Yeah, right. there you go. <laughs> it was an interesting insight into what has become a very peculiar personality for me, at least. Yeah, and and uh, but he's been he's been constant throughout, um, um, and I. He's gotten more so. Yes, he's been constant, but more so. Right. If, if, right. if it hadn't been you, Judy, it might have been someone else, but. This is your claim to fame. Yes, exactly. Well, I'd like to think I have other claims to fame that are a little bit more, uh, less egregious. Yeah, well, check your Wikipedia page. Yeah. And we got the fire, we got the uh, emergency services on West End Avenue passing by here. It's they don't hear it. It's part okay. of my, uh, no, you don't hear it. Okay. So I, I asked Gina where she got started. Judy, how did you get started in, in uh, journalism and broadcast news and, and, and all the other stuff you do, fashion and. Well, Culture. Uh, I always was a nosy body, and I was a history major, and I loved stories. I loved people's stories. I like uh, the stories of how things happen, um, and I like writing. I mean, I really enjoy writing. So I, for, I was an East Asian history major in college, but then I got a master's in broadcast journalism at the uh, Newhouse School up at Syracuse. And from there, I started working in educational television and then went on to Kansas City, where I did a talk show for ABC and uh, came back to New York and li- literally did everything here from, you know, working as a, you know, a, a low level reporter and anchor at, at one point. And um, then after about 35 years of doing reporting and anchoring, um, I started uh, something called Full Frontal Fashion which came out of my reporting because I, I, the first 10 years I did everything from crime to labor stories to, you know, your standard news. Then I got, like to do features. And um, so I started covering the fashion shows back when there was only one camera, two cameras and three still photographers. And it became this phenomenon. And I was friendly with Fern Malice who started seventh on sixth. And I went and proposed an idea of use of covering fashion like sports is covered mm-hmm. with um, highlights, um, uh, the events itself, commentary on the events, background stories on the players. And um, they went for it. Uh, Division of Cablevision went for it and, and started this as a high definition channel. 
Um, Did that for 10 years. So, yeah, I've really been all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. But I also like to write. I mean, I wrote um, uh, for Soho Weekly News when it was before it became details. I had a column on relationships and sex. And then I also um, wrote for HuffPost. Um, I, you know, I've sort of kicked around. Yeah, Judy, you've been, you've been all over the place. You uh, co-hosted Living in Style. Yeah, for Martha, for Sirius. Yeah, I did a, with, for, for, for Martha for, Stewart and the, the full frontal fashion correspondent. I mean, you've done the journalism and, and you're now you're executive board of the Hamptons International Film Festival. So you've got an interest in film. Yeah, um, I, I, I really, it's something very near and dear. And that's how I got friendly with Alec Baldwin, which is how, because he's chairman of it and I'm the secretary of the board and, and we, we've been working pretty closely. Um, and I, He's a really nice guy. He hasn't gotten mad at me once. <laughs> <laughs> why, As why, a me, why should he? Everything's going good for him. <laughs> well, he is. He's in a good place right now. He is. And he's Boy. crazy about you, Judy. Yeah. <laughs> My husband always teases. We all are. Right. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, yes. Are you a group hug? No, really. Judy is, <laughs> Judy is, an, is such a... Um, it's, it's really we have to give her a lot of credit for a lot of the guests that we've gotten. This is really um, this is really Judy putting herself out there for all of us, yep. and it's been um, it's been quite a ride. And um, I think uh, you know she will she still reads the paper like the actual you know like paper, and she'll <laughs> cut out articles and she'll send them. And uh, I had the privilege to stay the night with her out at the uh, house out east uh, this summer. And I woke up in the morning and she said, okay, breakfast is in the kitchen. And I have a couple articles laid out that you should read. And there are all these cut up pieces of paper all over. But she really, when, when she says she is a curious mind, she is a constant consumer, constant consumer. That's so, okay. And that's, that's who she's always been. I have to tell you that I've known Judy since 19, 19- a while ago. <laughs> Judy, you can tell a story. Well, we shared uh, an office space together at Channel 5 back in the day. And um, I remember Judy before she had children. I remember Judy when she was doing a late night show um, where she became a superstar uh, in New York City. And she's just, you know, she's always, she's always been a go-getter, an innovator, and a star in TV, made for TV. That's Judy Lex. Honestly, that's the reason I came aboard. You know, I get a, a lot of people. A lot of people. You know, I get a lot of calls from people saying, "Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that?" And like, so here's this thing with, okay, David, we're, we're doing this thing, and nobody's getting paid. I'm like, oh, okay, that sounds perfect. Um, <laughs> Just what like I wanted to it's, do. It's Judy Lex. I'm like, okay, well, I'll. I'll Take a look and see what's going on. <laughs> right, right. Very without kind. pay. Right. So you, all very kind, but if you if you hang around long enough, <laughs> that's what happens. So you guys have had you have had really great guests: Alec Baldwin, Alan Alda, Alda, Juliet Huddy, Jeff Greenfeld. Has anyone said no? Not yet. They just Not don't yet. answer our phone calls. We don't <laughs> ask that many people. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we get some people who will do it, but won't do it. We're getting Carl Bernstein, for example, but he's got on deadline for a book and we're going to get him the week after he, in another couple of weeks after he hands in the book. Uh, we're still on hold with Katie Kirk who says she'll do it, but she can't do it now. And I've called in a lot of chits, (laughs) let me put it that way. And, um, you know, I think what I'm hoping will happen, what I think is beginning to happen is that when people see who else has done 
uh, the podcast, then they feel like they're in good company. Absolutely. Uh, well, why do you think we invited you all on? <laughs> Bar Crawl Radio. We're trying to be in your company. Right. We'll say, well, well you know, we had the news Judy. broads on. We had Judy Lynch. Judy's and, <laughs> so and what have been... How could you say no? What have been your We're favorite... Legitimate. What have been your favorite guests? Or some of your favorite guests? That's okay. not or, fair. I don't know. I don't know. Ellen, yeah, I, mean, I think there's a difference between per- person and content too when it comes to favorite guests. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Yep. I thought that mm-hmm. Alan Alda, I, I, he surprised me personally. I And Judy's been very friendly with him for a long time, but I just found him to be um, introspective. I found him to care more about the person who is interviewing him than about his own story. Yep. Yeah. Very thoughtful. He's a, you know, this term gets used a little too much, this phrase. He's a beautiful soul. Yeah. He's a beautiful soul. He's a caring human being with a sense of himself and a sense of the world in ways that, you know, Gina and I and David never knew about. Judy had spoken about him before, but when you hear him, he is, he's all love. He's all give, you know, he's not a taker. He's not an egomaniac. He's a listener. He's a superstar. He's just a beautiful soul. Judy, is that who Alan Alda is? Because you're, you're, you, it felt like you were really good friends. Now, we, well, we've become very good friends in the last years. We live near each other. We have a lot of friends in common. And we, you know, after a while of seeing each other over and over, we just became friends. And the thing about him is I know a lot of people, but I got to tell you, of all the people I know, he is the nicest. And not only that, his wife is spectacular, Arlene. <laughs> um, she's smart and down to earth and talented and cares deeply about other people and ideas and their marriage. I mean, you know, if you ever want the gold standard of marriages and I know, and nobody knows what goes on behind, but I got to tell you, I've been with them a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Except for Gina, of course. Um, (laughs) She's working on it and she's getting there. Um, But, but I think their marriage is extraordinary. She's not a glamour puss. He could have had any glamour puss he wanted, you know, back in the day. They're totally devoted to family. They're totally devoted to each other. Um, They met and they, and the thing they share in common is a great sense of humor. They love to laugh and they love other people. I got it. I sound like Pollyanna, but no, you're right. He loves people and it shows. And it's it's an amazing thing to see from, um, a Hollywood actor who's been around for a long time and who grew up in the industry. I grew up in Teaneck, New Jersey during the 70s when right. he was doing MASH. And Alan never moved to Hollywood per se. We knew that Alan right. was home in Leonia every weekend with his family. He would fly back on Friday night and he'd fly back to L.A. on Monday morning or whatever it was. We would see him at the bagel store. You know, he would like here was his TV star who never, never went into the Hollywood thing. He, he would come home to his family every week. And, and that was the thing when his family grew up like normal people. He's yeah. an actor. He, he an seems, actor. Um, in listening to your, your interview of him, he was asking as many questions almost <laughs> as you were. That's what I mean. He's more interested in the other person than in you finding out about him or you interviewing him. He, he's that guy. Very unusual. I, I wanted, we started talking about this already. I think we can segue into this is the question is what is a podcast? 
Um, and it's different than the other work that you've done in journalism and fashion news. And and I, I teach at John Jay College. I'm a professor there, and I've been trying to get a podcast uh, class going. And one of the things I've been investigating is what is a podcast? What is this animal? So here, you don't get any pay. You You invite people, hope they show up. And in fact, surprise, surprise, they like to show up. Uh, I'm I'm always surprised that you know people who are somewhat famous like why do you want to talk to me, but they do. So what is this animal that we're dealing with here called podcasting? It's not journalism. I think I have a, a real strong feeling about that, and I think it's that everything has gotten so glitzed up. Uh, production is so glamorous and so slick that people really want to talk and on an authentic level. I think if there were one word I would use to describe podcasts, it's authentic. Whether it's about celebrities or it's about fingernail polish or whether it's about, you know... Whether it's interesting or not. It, yeah. It's people want authenticity in their life. And, you know, you hear this from slick marketing people who talk about that with advertising. Authenticity sells. Well, yeah, but what is authenticity? And I think just sitting around the campfire and having a nice chat in an age when that's not so possible. Right, uh, and it's also radio, but it's not corporate radio, it's self-radio. You can pick and choose what you want. You don't have to worry about advertisers. You don't have to worry about management. You're doing your own show, you know, and, and that's what people really are interested in. Forget what they want to program you as. You get to program your own podcast. Yes. And, and I think that makes it really unusual and different. And as a podcaster, I get to talk to all of you uh, and get, to, I would never have this opportunity. I've got this leverage now that I can say, well, I've got this podcast and can you talk? And then maybe you'll talk to me and have an interesting experience. Uh, there, the, the other thing I would add is a podcast okay. is amateur. Amateur in the best sense of someone who loves to do something. Like a vocation. You're doing it because of the love, and that's the definition of amateur. David, you, know, you wanted to say there's, something. Yeah, there's, there's, I, I did a show for years um, called uh, TV Land Confidential, and I got to interview some of the legendary stars of TV and movies, like people like, and like, there is something about interviewing someone and asking about themselves that creates a kind of instant intimacy mm -hmm. all right like now i feel i know you it's not i don't know you but now i feel like i'm telling you my secrets so now i must like you <laughs> and and <laughs> these and, because i'm telling you this stuff you know and so these actors who, who i've never met before and they sit down and after an hour and a half of conversation they're willing to tell me anything. And then afterwards they want to hang out and afterwards they want to like invite me over for, for a drink or whatever. And you, and I saw that over and over and I'm like, Oh, I must be really nice. They must really <laughs> like me, but I'm a good but, guy. I must be a good guy. But yeah. the fact is when you're inviting someone to talk about themselves, you know, people spend tons of money to talk to a shrink or to talk to a therapist so right. that they can just talk about themselves and hear somebody's asking you to do it and you say whatever you want. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. We, we human beings like to talk about ourselves. Except Alan Alda. <laughs> except Alan Alda. There you go. He does not. Um, no, I think it's interesting. I think that what you were saying, and this is kind of what we were talking before about this passion project, and I think that it's a way to get your creative juices going 
-hmm. where I don't think that there's a lot of that. Um, you know, people go to work, they do their, you know, I take my kids to school, I do their, you know, we do your homework, there's this routine. And I think the podcast is a nice way to like a painter painting. It's showing your creativity, it's taking your juices out, it's make it's working your brain in an arena that, like Lynn said, you don't have to worry about advertisers. You don't have to. We can really, really get into what we've learned and we've seen. And I think everyone has a story that they just want to get out. And I think for us, our story was like, let's, let's, we know this thing called media. We know this beast. So let's, let's do what we can right. while we can. And here we have it. It's, yeah. It's about controlling the medium as opposed to having the medium control you Yeah. and Judy and Gina and David, all of us have been in that situation where the medium controlled what we could say and what we couldn't say. Now we can say what we feel. We don't have an editor. It's all about rip, rip and rip. And it's really a great way to kind of get it out and get information out to other people. And it turns out it's quite fabulous. You know, Dan Abrams was a guest of ours recently. Um, and it, it was his opinion of how on his opinion of how the media was handling the, the uh, coronavirus. And, but we got to talking and he, he made a very interesting point, which was in his opinion, he thinks in the future, journalists and not new journalists like Tom, Wolf, you know, the, the new journalism, but journalists and all venues should express what their opinion is hmm. because that way people will know where they're coming from. None of this pretend, you know, even handedness. Now, I don't know if I agree with him or not, but I think he's, he's, he's hit something. He's hit on something in that. I think there's a genuine quality about that. And in a podcast, you can do that. People want transparency because there's so much noise and clutter out there and so little information that they want to get to the heart of things. And if you feel a reporter is being transparent, but yet still good, you will understand and interpret what they are saying better. Yeah. I think, yes, I think Judy's right. And also cable TV has allowed for that and has changed our medium. Because as Gina was talking about, when Judy and I came up, there was that fairness doctrine. You couldn't say what you felt or you couldn't give your political views. There were three you networks. Did, you'd, have to have, you'd have to have a counter balancing opinion. Otherwise, the FCC would come after you. No longer, not on cable. You can say and do whatever you want. And people identify with the people who they believe in, whose belief systems are like theirs. Some people like Fox, some people like CNN. And I think that's also contributed to the division of the country. So I'm not sure we want more of that. I think just the facts, ma'am, might be the way we might proceed in the future if we want to be more unified. But maybe there's room for all of it. Maybe yeah. there's room for opinion, for facts, and um, for intimacy like we're doing right now. Yeah, just for a conversation. Can we have a conversation? Yeah, yeah well, yeah. but the thing is, if you know what someone's biases are or you know what's it's like, let's take it out of the political realm for a moment. Let's put it into the realm of pop culture, which is which is what I love. And, you know. If you know that a certain movie critic always pans this kind of movie, but always loves that kind of movie, and right. you have that knowledge going in, and so they say, okay, this is a guy who loves, I don't know, Quentin Tarantino, but doesn't like Robert De Niro, you know? You, 
then you know where they're coming from when the next Robert De Niro movie is out. You know, not, they don't like that Robert De Niro and the Quentin Tarantino. But if you have someone else who likes what you, so you can align yourself with the movie critic and then you know what movie you want to see. Right. It's similar with news, but as, as Lynn put it, we are now living in a world where it's not just about opinion, it's about, it's about how the news is presented and the selection of facts so that but now the, the, I'm arguing with you or having a conversation with you and my fact, the set of facts is different than your set of facts because not everybody gives the full set of facts, let alone an even-handed or biased or unbiased. We're all living in different, as they call it, bubbles. It's all nuanced. So you all have felt, you three ladies have felt constraint, perhaps, in your former careers. Do you think that was partly because you were a woman? Do you think yeah. that had anything to do with it? Um, I don't, but I think that when Lynn and I came up, certainly, um, I mean, I was, it, 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 we met at Channel 5, and I was the only woman reporter um, on the staff, and I got the job because the woman who preceded me had a nervous breakdown, <laughs> which once I took that job, I understood why she did. I mean, there were a lot of hostile old guys on film crews who just didn't like women and especially young women um, telling them what to do. And um, there was one woman on the assignment desk and there was, you know, it was, there were three of us in the newsroom and it was, um, it was like the front page and Lynn came in shortly after and you know, we shared a we shared a cubicle, and you know, you asked earlier how we became close, and we became close because she was going. Her mother was dying. Um, she was going through a divorce. I had been separated, divorced, then remarried, and was right. then pregnant. And we all shared like a three foot space, and so we sort of lived through all of our life experiences together and got very close. Um, and. But there was the sense that by then there were like seven women in the newsroom. You know, I felt that I was being watched um, much more than the men were being watched because we were just a, an incredible minority. But I never felt that what I could do was different, that the work I did was different. I never felt that, to be very honest. You know, and, and that that's a great point. I, um, you know, I was an African-American woman. My first job was in Springfield, Illinois. And then I went to St. Louis and came back to New York. And I remember walking, I was the first black on-air person that they had hired in Springfield, Illinois. It was the NBC affiliate, WCIS. And I remember walking through the control room and it went to silence. The people in there stopped talking, but I heard one voice. And that one voice said, here comes the little N-word girl. Wow. And mm. it just, you know, it just, it's everywhere. You know, I've talked to, to my news frauds, my sisters and my brother about this. But it's everywhere. You know, it's not just the woman thing. It's your ethnicity. It could be your religion. It's there. And you can't pretend it's not. And that did form a lot of my opinions about the world and the way the world works. I'm going to fast forward. I was doing a radio show for two years on WOR with um, a co-host named Ellis Hennigan. And I remember we were having a conversation on the air about Clarence Thomas. And I said, you know what? 
a lot. I know you may like him, Ellis, but a lot of us think of him as a quote Uncle Tom. Well, I was called into management. You can never say that about Clarence Thomas. He's a wonderful person. You know, it is a very conservative station. And here I was giving my point of view, which wasn't their point of view. And I got called on the carpet for it and should have been. It was their station, not mine. Here, we don't have to do that. We can speak our minds. And um, we all come from different places. We all have our own, you know, wounds. Yeah. But, and we but, all have our own biases, the socialization, and it makes us who we are. But we all here tend in the room, and again, I may be guessing and digging a hole for myself, we all tend to agree on certain basic, you know, feelings about this country and about the leadership of this country. And we're kind of talking to each other, we're looking at each other. And one reason we're doing that, I think David was alluding to this very directly, is that we tend to look at those people that we agree with and we choose to look at those people and look away from other people. And I, I, I want, is, is there a place, and it seems like podcasting should be that place where we can do that. But I know in my own, when I get a very conservative Trump-supporting person that's, that I'm talking to, interviewing, I, I go into this other kind of mode. And instead of saying, like, I'm interested, let's see what you have to say. Uh, I'm curious, how did you get to where you are? I find it doesn't go anywhere because it doesn't, it's not a two-way conversation. It's I'm willing change. to listen to you. But I don't hear you listening to me. Alan Alda will listen to anybody. That's I'm willing. Right. I'm willing to listen. But you need to now listen to me. We need to have a two-way conversation. I don't see that as possible. In answer to that, I think that they're they are feeling the same way, because I do know people who are Trump supporters, many of whom are not morons, and um, you know. They feel, well, listen, I have, uh, there are certain things, about, yeah, he's disgusting, yeah, he's, no one, I, I don't think anyone that I know like, thinks he's anything but a, a monster. But the thing is, if he did one or two good things, for example, if he, if he did, and I personally think there were one or two things he did do that were good. Sure, it was his staff or somebody else who suggested it. But you would not even allow that what he did was good because he's so reprehensible. And I think that there are people who feel that liberals will absolutely don't, don't listen and don't care and, and don't understand. And, you know, so what? You I know, think it, it works yeah. both ways. Can I just I make think one right. point? There was a recent article in The New Yorker about just that, about the Greenwich, Connecticut supporters of Trump and how people vote their interests. And their interests are the same as him. For the, some of them, the ones that they were quoting and talking to, it was about money. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so, Is yeah. Is it the 1%? That's their guy. Yeah, that's their guy. They're going to vote for him again. Who cares about the social issues? You know, that's not important. I want to make sure that I'm making $250 million next year, just like well, I did Lynn, last Lynn. year. But Lynn, so, we're going to get into our our old. Uh, I know. Because, um, <laughs> David's holding his head. Yeah, can I, can the, the bottom line is, if a guy makes, and I'm not going to get into this discussion because that's not what we're here for. But if a guy makes an economy in a country so good that it's the best employment record for blacks in America in history. And if the, you know, the, it's not just the guys on wall street lining their pockets, but it, he lifts up the tide. Then I have to say, 
I can't stand the man. I think he's everything reprehensible known to human nature. I'm embarrassed when he just talks. Excuse me, I just want to talk to my sister here. And we'll be back right after this. I'm so sorry, but most black people aren't better off now that he's president. This just in, it's not true. You're spouting Republican talking points. That is crazy. You see, Alan, they don't always agree. I, I, I think, told you. I think we've just broken up the news broads. No, I don't <laughs> think so. No, this is, we are. This is this is inevitable. At least at least once per meeting. Right. I will say one good thing about what's going on right now. And speaking as a father, and I know Gina will agree with me. In the last seven weeks, there has not been a single school shooting in this country. Wow. Yeah, but there've been yeah. two because they've all been because they've Hello. all been closed. <laughs> yeah. They have all been closed. So no school shootings. Yay, but just don't go to a Capitol building where there's protesting cuz Or don't you know. go out jogging while black. You know, I mean yeah, there are yeah, there is that. Can I just say to to kind of bring it back to the very first question? Oh, that's a great idea. That's your job, Gina. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. I am the token producer too. Um, <laughs> you had talked about how doing this by um, Zoom. I I have to say the ones that we've done when we first started doing the podcast, the ones that we did in person versus the ones that we did via Skype or Zoom or whatever. In the beginning, we were like, "Oh, it's so much better when they're in the room. It's so much better when they're in the room." I feel that we've been doing this now enough that it actually is starting to feel a little bit easier, a little bit more normal, a little bit more of a vibe. And I don't know if that's a bad or good thing because I'm a, I'm very needing of people. But I just think that it's an interesting point that these podcasts, which really were meant no visuals at all, really is just sound, um, that is has turned into this and it's really important that we can see each other. Well, it's interesting that the things that have come out of the, um, the pandemic that um, actually are good, you know, it's like, it's hard to talk about it. Life is like, life is like the Brady bunch now. We're all in our yeah, little there you are. looking at each other. <laughs> exactly. Look at that. That's exactly what you guys look like. Well, I, listen, right. if we're going to talk silver linings, I mean, I could, I definitely, there are definite silver linings to what's going on now on a personal privileged level of, you know, having a steady income with my husband and um, there are definitely positives to it. I just, um, you know, yeah. I just feel privileged, too privileged to talk about it because I feel like that's not yeah. everybody is as lucky as we are. Yeah. And we yeah. all, Very lucky. we all realize it. We all count our blessings every day. We, uh, we count the four of us count our blessings that we, I'm sort of like I'm sort of like Zeppo Marx. I'm off screen most of the time, but you're our Charlie. What are you I'm talking Char- about? I'm Charlie. <laughs> Where oh. would we be without you? The they are my angels. They, they are my angels. Make us work. <laughs> Don't forget, David. Zeppo made all the money in the family. Thank you, Judy. Yes. <laughs> I listen. I love these guys. I'm not sure which of them is Groucho. I am certain <laughs> that Judy is not Harpo. <laughs> This is like because she's not quiet at all. None, none of you uh, are Harpo. Maybe Harpo is not there. One maybe of the things I admired about your podcast is that you kept it to about a half hour. <laughs> I think I think that's a good length. We we tend to do these bar crawls. It's I I always say they're an hour or more is like too long. I like it. But she, but she my my co host li- likes it, and so we, we do that. But we had one more question that I wanted to get to. We're now um, in this hunker down position. Are we going to learn from this, from your knowledge of journalism, your knowledge of the media, of broadcast, 
from entertainment, from news side, are, are we going to be um, new? Uh, are we going to be new broads um, as, as we move into the future? Are we just going to just gonna go back to where we were before and fly the jets and get back in our cars and the air starts filling up with, you know, carbon dioxide? And You know, one of the first podcasts we did, we talked about um, how it's not really as different as we think it was. Newspapers always picked a, they still pick a candidate to endorse. Um, there's a lot of similarities that we needed to remind ourselves of um, that we've been, it keeps coming up in podcasts that we do. I think that with it's always evolving. So I don't, I personally don't think it's going to go back to business as usual, but I also don't think that it ever really has changed that much. And I think that um, Andrew Hayward was another interview we did, and he's talking about the future of uh, local news and local newspapers and how critical they are, uh, and Art Cullen as well. And, you know, it's interesting to hear them because the format that's do that's working, has worked for the last couple of years is not going to work anymore. Right. So out of the ashes comes a new, a new form and it'll have very sim similar fundamentals, but it's going to look very different. Out of the ashes comes a new podcast. Judy, Amen. Where, where are you on this? I think that there will be certain very specific differences. A lot of businesses now are looking at the fact that people work from home and they don't have to have as much real estate. I think it's going to hurt commercial real estate in office buildings because I know two or three major firms that I've heard of. Amen. But, but, you know, and I think those kinds, I think movie theaters are going to have a lot of problems because people are really getting to like streaming. I mean, I think there are those kinds of things that will be changed. I think when it comes to people, the one thing I've noticed is that it's a little bit like funerals. After everyone dies, you walk out of a funeral, you say, oh my God, I'm going to live my life so differently. You've got to seize the moment. And it lasts for two weeks and then you go back to being yourself. I think though that what has really affected me in a profound way and, and from Facebook comments I've been seeing affect a lot of other people is the fact that you can divide people between the truly selfish and the people who really are considerate of others in that, you know, wearing face masks, social distancing, right. small thing, but it shows how self-centered people are that they're really not thinking about anybody else. Exactly. And I think there has been a, a real civic um in this country and yep. it's gotten worse and maybe this because so many people are talking about it, maybe this will awaken people to really care more about other people maybe i hope but yeah and to that point um well said judy in the midwest though you're seeing people show up at state houses with guns saying it's all bs open the economy we want to go back to work so i'm wondering if it's not a cultural thing like East Coast, West Coast versus the rest of the country, where they get their news from other places, you know, and their their political views are from other places, and they're just a different culture than we are. But then you, you see know, places yeah. like Ohio. What about that? I mean, that's an amazing story. Right. With, what's her name? The At Atkins? A A Acton. 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 Yes, yeah. that's my home state. Yeah, yeah. Proud I mean, of them. And and you know and they have an important swing state this year too. And they that's and right. they raise signs is. up saying "Be nice, social distance." But, you know, I mean. Yeah, David. What, what is? Where do you lay down on this or stand yeah, up on it? 
I, you know, first of all, we've been evolving for so long. I mean, part of the reason we started doing the news broads, and I, don't know, I was really happy when they welcomed me in as kind of an honorary broad. But we talk about broad, you know, broadcasting the new, broadcasting the news, and nothing's being broadcast anymore. We've been evolving for the last 15, 20 years. The democratization of things like radio, TV, YouTube, you know, uh, there was a great. Doonesbury um, cartoon at the end of the 70s saying anybody who didn't have their own talk show in the 70s just wasn't trying. Well, now that's really true. <laughs> with podcasts. Uh, you know, with yeah, podcasts. You know, it's like, it's like if you want a talk show, get a talk show. Who yeah, cares? You know, yeah, yeah, just, stop complaining. Just get a talk show. Right. Exactly. You know, you got you got a phone. Put on a show. Right. So, there is that, you know, the, the gatekeepers are, la- are, are, are by and large gone, except if you want to hit a broad audience. But if you're willing to sort of take your time and build a, a loyal following of people, they'll find you. It may take a long time, but they will find you. You'll find people who want to hear what you have to say if you have something really to say. Right. Yep. Um, as far as what this is doing, I think this is going to speed up that process. And I think part of what's, I don't know about you guys, but I, I am less willing to put up with BS than I was a few months ago. Amen. Um, I am, I am now a little, I'm still fairly polite, but I'm a little less polite and I'm a little bit more uh, straightforward rather than saying, well, blah, blah. no, I'm not doing that. I'm sorry. I'm not doing that. Or I'm just, I don't have time for some of the social niceties, uh, if if I can do it, I'll do it. If I can't, I'll I won't mince around. I had somebody the other day I had to say a definite no to, and normally in the past I would have tried to spare their feelings. I'm like, look, I can't do it. I'm really sorry. That's it. And I think people, I think what Judy said about masks. I was thinking about that. As as we're putting the masks on, the masks are also coming off. Mm. You know. People who are putting their masks on are also showing who they are by putting those masks on. And the people who are keeping the masks off are showing who they are because they're just hiding behind their faces. It's really, it's like this weird, ironic thing that's right. happening. I don't know where I'm going with the metaphor. <laughs> I like it. So find it. David, I think we got you. I like it. Uh, David, yeah. thank you. I think that's where we're going to end. The people with the masks are, are being seen and the people without the masks are hiding themselves behind their face. It's wonderful, Will's statement. I need to kind of lay with that. I want to I wanna do a social nicety and say David Levin is working on a scripted comedy about the coronavirus uh, experience called Viral Vignettes. It was featured in the New York Times, and so we will take a look at that. Uh, I want to, on the uh, uh, along with my uh, co-host, um, to thank Lynn White, Gina Cerrito and Judy Licht for joining us here on Bar Crawl Radio. Please check out News Broads. Um, it's a terrific show. They get some amazing guests. What I wanted to ask is how you get it, but I think the answer is Judy is, the, <laughs> is how, you, how you get those Judy, guests. Judy, Judy, Judy. And, and, All about the Judy. <laughs> and be safe, and we'll keep an eye on the News Broads. And I'd like to add a little ending here to the parents who of, of elementary kids who were asking me early, you know, oh, I, you know, I want to talk to you. I would like to suggest to you that this is a very unique time. It's rough on the kids too. They may not show it, but it's rough on them too. You know, don't worry about the education so much. 
they're getting it. I'm not suggesting that you don't have them, you know, do the work, but balance it and take this very unique time to be with them, to really revel in it. It's it's just um, it's a time that you're not going to have again, probably. Absolutely. This will be over too, as all things in life are. This shall pass. This shall pass too. Thank you all. Judy. Thanks for having us. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you for accepting our invitation. I thank Alina for for making this all happen. (laughs) Alina Larson for our co-producer on Barclay Radio for pulling us all together here today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And now we do this this Zoom wave. The Zoom bye-bye wave. The Zoom wave. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you.